Welcome to Good Christophian Talks. I'm Levi. And I'm Chris. And I'm Brian. Thank you for joining us this week. On this podcast, we select one talk a week to help us get the Bible in our daily newsfeed. We post a new episode at the start of each week with a short intro beforehand to kind of set the stage for the talk you're about to listen to. And now, let's talk more about this week's talk. Hello, this is Brother Chris. For this week, we are listening to an exhortation that was given last month by Brother Josh Somerville. I really enjoyed Brother Josh's exhortation. The topic that I kind of have given to it is how we pray. And in it, Brother Josh is looking at the different ways that in Scripture people talk about actively doing prayer. Uh, And in our culture, a lot of times the way that we think about prayer is, you know, you're standing with your heads bowed and you know, maybe holding the hands of the person next to you, but otherwise you're being very still and somber. Um, and one of the things that I really appreciated about Brother Josh's exhortation is he describes the actual different poses and positions that you can do for prayer. Um, and during the, the exhortation, he actually had everybody at the meeting stand or kneel or do whatever pose it was together. Um, and I found it to be both awkward, if I'm honest, but also really profound because it takes you out of the normal routine that you have of, you know, you're going to say a prayer and you just bow your head and close your eyes for a minute. And if you do that every single time, it can almost become a routine that doesn't necessarily have the same impact. So um, I would encourage you as you're listening to this exhortation, when he talks about the different points, if you're in a situation where you're able to, to try to replicate the poses as he describes them. Uh, He says small little prayers during each of those various poses. Uh, and I just found it to be a really interesting way to look at your prayer life and how you approach it. Um, I know for myself, sometimes prayer can be something I know I'm supposed to do, but not always something I think to do. Um, and looking at things from a different angle, find I find for myself to be a powerful way to make me reconsider uh, and approach my prayer life in a different way. So... Um, I hope you enjoy this exhortation as much as I did. I thought it was a really interesting way to approach uh, thinking about your prayer um, and made me think about the different ways that we do our prayers, both publicly and privately. So as uh, Levi and Brian mentioned in their intros previously, uh, thank you to those who helped cover us in the summer. It's been nice to have a summer break, but now we're able to get back uh, to what we're, we're doing and being able to share some new talks that we found. So excited now as we kick off the fifth season of this. Uh, We've gotten about five seasons of talks and as Levi mentioned, almost about four years. So it's pretty exciting to continue this going forward. And we thank you for all of you that have been listening all this time. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Brother Josh for his exhortation, How We Pray. I'm excited to bring to you the words of exhortation today because uh, I've been having some you know, things on my mind and I wanted to kind of get them down. And I've been looking forward to taking the opportunity to get those words on a paper and to share them with you. Um, I've given an exhortation in the past, right, where I explained um, how to pray. And I used the um, the, the Lord's Prayer in, in the Gospel of Matthew to kind of give us a, a template of how to pray. What are the steps? You know, what do you do first? What do you do second? And to go through kind of like that, use that as a template in your lives. Uh, but recently, 
recently I've been spending more time thinking about, you know, how we pray. And uh, those of us have been raised in the Christadelphian meeting. I've heard it said uh, many, many times, uh, please bow your head with me and let us, uh, as we approach our Heavenly Father in prayer, right? You can say it verbatim. And there's nothing wrong with that because bowing our heads is how we show um, respect. You know, bowing goes back many, many years, centuries, thousands of years as a way of showing obeisance and subservience and honor and respect. Um, in my house, uh, as a child growing up at dinner, we sat around the table and bowed our heads and prayed for the meal every night. And that just comes naturally. And it's even found in scripture because even in Genesis chapter 24, when we read about Abraham's chief servant being sent to find a wife for Abraham's son, Isaac, we read in verse 26, then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. And even earlier in Genesis, what happened when Lot saw the angels into the city of Sodom in Genesis chapter 19, first verse, the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. So right in the beginning of scriptures, we see that bowing down is a great way to show respect to another person, but we don't necessarily bow down anymore. We just kind of bow our, our heads and Maybe it's because we're wearing nice clothes on Sunday. Maybe we don't want to get them dirty. Maybe we don't kneel down because we don't want to be like other churches who may do that as a, as a practice. And maybe we just bow our heads because that's how we were taught from childhood. And that's just been kind of carried on generationally. And it just kind of comes back, just kind of comes naturally. So whatever the reason is, um, I just wanted to have us think about it, to just be aware, and bring that to the forefront of our minds. So what I'm going to do this morning is read some verses in scripture and then have us practice kind of some different positions of prayer just to see how it feels. Um, it's going to be awkward and it's going to be uncomfortable uh, because we're not in the habit of doing it. And we're really a, a conservative bunch of folks, if the truth be told. But I want us to allow ourselves this time here this morning to experiment and not have any judgment and I'm not saying that we have to do this, you know, going forward every Sunday, but um, I just wanted us to give it a shot and see if that was something that you might want to do for yourself, either publicly or privately, or you might do this today and just go, no, that's not for me. So the first one I want to look at is the praying with our hands outstretched. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 22, Solomon says a prayer of dedication, and we read, then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward heaven, and gave his prayer of dedication to the temple. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 6, Ezra praising the Lord. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. In Psalm 119, verse 48, giving praise to God, my hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. And in Luke 24, Christ lifting his hands in blessing his disciples. And it reads in verse 50, and he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, this is what kind of got my 
my head going in this direction. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So we can see that there's this idea in Scripture and this concept of uh, lifting up of our hands. And we see it in both the New and Old Testament. And in Luke 24, even Christ lifted his hands and blessed those around him. We also notice that um, most of these verses have an uplifting feeling, They're more of a praising and a, and a blessing idea. So we're going to keep that in mind. Now, that's not always the case because there are uh, verses I found that, uh, that do have the lifting of hands, even when they're making dire requests. Um, so they're doing that with their hands outstretched. But for the most part, we'll keep this as a more positive and upbeat type of feeling. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we'll raise our hands towards the sky. And if you want to raise them high, that's great. If you want to raise them kind of halfway, that's fine too. If you want to have them down next to your, your size, but you want to have your hands open, that works as well. Um, I think what I would like us to focus on this morning is just keeping our palms open, right? Not closing, not behind the back, just our palms open and out. Um, opening the hands to me is a helpful way of opening my heart and maybe opening my mind to be able to better concentrate and express that thankfulness that we have towards our Heavenly Father. And also as an aside, I'm not sure if you've ever done this, uh, but I have. Have you ever looked up during a prayer? It's just something to think about. Have you ever raised your head towards God instead of bowing it down? Uh, we are his children, and children look up to their parents, both uh, physically and, and probably you know emotionally. Um, so what if you raised your head and closed your eyes and you kind of pictured God bending down to pick you up in his arms like a loving parent would with their child, with a smile on his face and forgiveness in his eyes. And that is a powerful picture, so I recommend you, you try that. Don't have to try that today, but you know, give that, a, give that a try at some point. Okay, so with that, let's go ahead and stand up. If you're comfortable doing it, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. No, no judgment again. And you can just pick a position how we want to do it. And what you want to do with your hands and your, and your head, it's up to you. So let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father, we look to you with our arms raised and our hands open in thankfulness for the blessings that you so generously have given us. And we know that all things in our lives come from you. And so we give thanks to you for the ability to meet here at this place as a family. We're thankful that you've called us to be your children and that you are continuing to work with us in our lives, guiding us, protecting us, teaching us as a loving parent. You love us so much, Father. And we see that love in our lives and in your word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your plan of salvation that you have planned for us. We look forward to that day with growing anticipation Send your son soon, Father, that we might be with you in your glorious kingdom. For it is through your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's take a moment and think about how that felt. Kind of internalize that, process that. The next position we sh I would like us to consider is this idea of kneeling before God. 
again, I, I clearly remember growing up doing that, saying the Lord's Prayer every night before bed on my knees. My sister Aaron and I shared a room, so we'd be right next to each other, saying it in unison before we went to bed at night. And I think that stopped when my mom stopped putting us to bed, probably. <laughs> but uh, it was a good memory. You know, I, did, I didn't hate it. Um, another memory, and I'm sorry, Dad, I'll have to put you on blast here for a little bit, is my dad doing it as well. Full suit and tie, dress shoes, kneeling down and giving prayer to God before starting the day. And when you're six or seven, you don't fully understand what, what's going on because that's just totally normal in, in the house. But as an adult, you know, you, you come to understand what it was that he was doing. He's putting his life and his day in God's hand. And that's a powerful way that we should all be doing that, is kneeling before God and putting the day in his hands just to encourage us and to strengthen us just through the day. So it's a good reminder that we should be doing that in our homes as well. So what does scripture say about kneeling? Psalm 95 begins with, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Verse 3, For the Lord is a great God and a great king above, above all gods. Verses 6 and 7, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 gives a prayer to the Ephesians, and it begins in verse 14. And he says, For this cause I bow my knees, or I kneel, unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. And I'm... I'm I'm cutting it off there, but the gist is that, the, you know, he's, he's kneeling in prayer and earnestly asking God with humility and respect to be with the Ecclesia at Ephesus. And let's take a look at Acts chapter 20. Now, that's the reading that I had uh, Tyler read this morning. I found that chapter to be very interesting and very powerful, especially in the context of this uh, topic. And you almost have to read the whole chapter to get the full picture of what's happening here. But I'm going to just read excerpts to refresh that picture and that scene in our minds. So starting at verse 17, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith, Toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit in, unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. For this, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. So that's kind of like the highlights of, of what, was, what was happening there. And when I picture this in my mind, I don't see just Paul kneeling. I see all of them kneeling together, possibly holding hands or even their arms around each other because these brethren loved Paul 
And they were devastated that they would no longer see him. And I want to believe that Paul was praying for not only them, but for his own strength. Daniel chapter 6 is another good example to us of not allowing the pressures and societal indoctrination uh, change us in our faith and following after God. Because in Daniel chapter 6, it was made illegal to pray to anyone other than the king for 30 days. And we see in verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, so he knew that the law was put into place, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So now we can see something of a pattern again begin to emerge as to what kind of prayer we could do when we kneel. It is a position we can take when we're praying to God and asking for strength, for guidance, for encouragement, and not only for others, but for ourselves. And of course, for giving thanks. So we're going to experiment with that now. And um, for those of us who are able to and willing to kneel, I encourage you to do so. You, you um, can choose again either to bow your head or lift it up. Uh, you can decide what to do with your hands, either open and raised or down as more of a bowing. So let's think about that. If you kneel in front of your chair, if you can, there might be room to do that. Or you can just stay in your seat. That works as well. So um, let's all kneel and we'll do a short prayer. Father, we come to you now in humility, looking to you for strength as we are here this morning, renewing our minds and our spirit with your word. We struggle with the pressures that the world puts us under, and we know that we are weak and we need your continual support. We ask that you give us the courage to stand up to the temptations we face and to be reminded that through you, there is no temptation that we cannot overcome when we are faced with it. Father, we ask in humility that you be with our brothers and sisters that need your healing hand. We have heard in our announcements this morning of those dealing with health issues. We know that there are so many more in our family that are struggling, not only with the health issues, but with mental issues as well. Heal them, encourage them, and let them know that you are with them. Father, we are overwhelmed by your grace and forgiveness. And we ask that you help us to show that same grace and forgiveness to those that look to do us harm. Help us in our walk, we pray, and may all that we do be right in your eyes. We look to your son as our example in all things and pray this through his name. Amen. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. The next one I want to talk about is not necessarily a bodily position, but the idea of praying while touching someone. So many times when we read about the miracles of Jesus during his ministry, he heals those that are sick and he touches them in some way. Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. 
Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. Then he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. In Mark chapter 6, verse 5, And he could do there, I'm sorry, and he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And in Luke 18, verse 15, And they were bringing even their babies to him that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. So when you read through the life of Jesus, you realize there are times when he says words and touches them and the healing occurs. But we also know that there are plenty of times when he either just says words or and the healing occurs. And he's not even doesn't touch them and he's not near them. So clearly it's not necessary for Christ to be touching to touch someone in order to heal them. But there is a power in human touch. We know that because science tells us that. There's a lot of benefits to touch. There's a deep biological connection between our sense of touch and our emotional well-being. Touch is a powerful sense that changes how we feel. Touch releases oxytocin, which is known as a feel-good hormone. Newborns that are given nurturing touch grow faster and have more improved mental and motor skill development. Children raised with more physical interaction tend to be less aggressive and violent. Partners who cuddle have been shown to have lower stress levels and blood pressure and improved immune function. So although Jesus didn't need to touch anyone to heal them, I think there's clearly a benefit for both Jesus and the person he would touch to the point that in the Luke 1815, they're bringing babies to him just so he will touch them. And we think back to that prayer in Acts chapter 20. They were kneeling with him and probably holding each other in prayer. And and we see it here in our ecclesia. I see it here in our ecclesia all the time. Those of us that are married are holding our spouse's hand during a prayer or we're holding our child's hand. And I've I've even seen some of our older sisters holding each other's hands during a prayer. Or married people putting their arms around each other during prayer. Touch helps us to strengthen our bond that we have with each other. So why not pray with each other and hold hands? Or when we're with someone who needs a prayer, put your hand on their shoulder. Hold their hand. Let them know that you are connected to them. It's just uh, another option you know, for us to keep in mind, another idea. So let's give it a try. Let's hold someone's hand and I'll give a short prayer. And we don't have to move around to do it. Let's just stand up. Let's just, the nearest person that's with us, let's hold hands. Come on, man. All right, here we go. Great and almighty Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is for us that you have given us this gift of touch. We know that touch is a powerful sense that we have been blessed with, and it can help us in our walk. It is a simple act of showing solidarity with someone else. It helps us to see and to feel that we are not alone, that we have each other. So help us, Father, to share this blessing with others, and not just our family here, but to reach out to those around us who are alone, who are hurting, 
who are needing to feel that you care and that you are with them. We have seen in your word how your son would use touch as a blessing, and so we are encouraged as well to give of ourselves and be vulnerable to one another through touch. We thank you for this and for all of our blessings, Father, in your son's name. Amen. The next position that we'll be covering this morning is of being prostrate before the Lord. And first of all, I think a definition is important because I didn't fully understand what that meant. Prostrate means stretched out with face on the ground in adoration or submission. Completely overcome and lacking the will or power to rise. Here are some examples of that. Genesis chapter 17, God appeared to Abram, and Abram immediately fell prostrate before the Lord. And verse 3 reads, and Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him. In Joshua chapter 7, Joshua sent men into battle against Ai and were surprisingly defeated and ran away from the men of Ai. So in verse 6, we read, and Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. In Luke chapter 5, 12 reads, And it came to pass when he, Jesus, was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And in Matthew 26, we read that even Jesus the Christ, in his final moments, prostrated himself as he prayed to his father, and in verse 39, and he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So from these verses, we can get a sense of when this position was used in scripture. It is similar to the kneeling position, but more respectful, more earnest in its desire. It expresses even more humility and our own powerlessness to do anything of our own. And like the leprous man who was suffering, came to Jesus and fell on his face to be healed, we can think of ourselves very much in the same way because we all have the leprosy of sin in our lives. And we're not worthy of the gift that God has generously given to us. So how is it that we do not always fall down and prostrate ourselves to God when we pray to him? Now, we're not going to experiment with this position of prayer, so you can relax. I probably should have said that earlier so that you guys could have relaxed. <laughs> or you're looking around for a place to lay down, I'm not sure. It's just too personal, right? It's, it's too intimate. Um, that is something that, we will, that you will do in your li- in, you know, privately. Um, I just wanted to share it with you because it's powerful. And it's something that even Jesus, Jesus did. So it's something for us to, to be aware of. Um, he is our example. And he did prostrate himself to God. Now, when did he do it? He did it in his darkest hour, didn't he? When he was coming to the end of his ministry and to the end of his life, Christ was still just a human being, a person like you and me, who didn't want to die, who clearly didn't earn 
death. But he was willing to sacrifice, to be a willing sacrifice for us. He completely submitted himself to God's will. And so we look now to the bread and wine, and we remember the price that was paid for our salvation. The Son of God being crucified for us. So when we pray to God, we can express our thankfulness with outstretched arms. We can kneel before him in prayer. And in times of our own greatest needs, we can prostrate ourselves in his presence. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Thank you for listening to the Good Christadelphian Talks podcast. We hope this talk helped you in your walk. If you would like to hear more, please subscribe for new episodes and leave a review in Apple Podcast or whichever service you are using to help more people find the show when they search for it. If you enjoyed this particular talk, please share it with someone who you think might enjoy it as well. For show notes on the talk you just listened to, visit our show page at anchor.fm slash GCT or check the show notes section of your podcast player. Please share your thoughts on the talk from this week on our Facebook or Instagram pages, where we are at Good Christadelphian Talks, on Twitter, where we are at GCT underscore podcast, or leave a comment on our YouTube channel where these talks are posted as well. If you know of a great talk, we want to know about it too. Send a suggestion to our email at goodchristadelphiantalks at gmail.com or message us on any of our social media accounts. Thank you for listening. God bless and talk to you next week.